the RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. And you are very welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast. The final RTE Rugby Podcast of the season. We'll be taking a break for a few weeks coming up now because the, the season is done. And what a way to finish it. Ireland beating New Zealand for the first ever time in a test series. Just seven days after winning for the first time in New Zealand, they went and did it again. 32 points to 22 uh, in uh, in Wellington in the cake tin. And delighted to be joined by James Downey and Sean Cronin to chat through the game. Guys, how are you doing? Very good, Neil. Very good, Neil. James, I think uh, I'll be totally honest. The only reason we actually I invited you here today was I needed someone from outside of Limerick because otherwise I was just probably going to spend about 30 minutes chatting about hurling with uh, with Nugget here. So, look, no offence. I, I just had to bring in someone who wasn't from Limerick. Is that all right? Uh, here, look, you just brought in someone who's, who's used to winning the dubs at us. Oh, well, so many, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to give it to someone else. Uh, it's all right, yeah. Now, look, we'll get in, we'll get into the rugby in just the in just a couple of moments. We'll get into the the recap of the match first, though. Obviously, we had live commentary on RT Radio One of all these games across the last few weeks, and after the match, Michael Corcoran got to chat to a few of those involved down pitch side. First, we will hear from uh, head coach Andy Farrell, and that's going to be followed by Peter O'Mahony. Have a listen. Andy, we're at the side of the pitch. It's almost impossible to hear each other. We probably shouldn't be standing this close. What a day, what a, day, what a result. Ah, he cares. He cares, Corky. I mean, wow. It's a special day, isn't it? A special day for everyone uh, back home, for everyone that's involved in Irish rugby, for everyone that's Irish, you know. This is this is pretty special. Um, I can't speak enough of these uh, of these boys, you know. They keep they certainly keep surprising me. They keep turning up and they 100% believe in themselves, you know. And to come over here and to get a... To get a series win against New Zealand, that must be the hardest thing in world rugby to do, and these boys have achieved that. You challenge the players to have the game of their lives during the course of the week. They deliver that today. Well, they knew they could do better. You know, we 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 left five tries out there in the first test, and we was better in the second test, and we knew that we can play even better. And I think that showed in the first 40. But test matches are all, especially against the world's best, they're always going to test you. That's what it's all about. And. They came back like we knew they would do, but we stayed composed. Our mole was outstanding, our composure was outstanding, our defence at times was outstanding, and uh, wow, I don't know, it's it's, uh, it's pretty special at this moment in time. You were massively clinical when you needed to be in getting those scores, particularly in the first half. Yeah, and, and that's the work on from the last couple of games, isn't it? Making sure that we're, we're more clinical. Um, whether we played as well at times, you know, he got a bit loose, didn't it, with the high balls, etc. And they, they was playing wide, wide, and but we managed to find a way. We managed to find a way, and that's what good teams are, always do. That's what New Zealand have always done in the past, you know. And uh, we managed to find a way, keep our composure for, for what is um, a tremendous day for everyone. And just a final question. I mean, the noise in the background is coming from the Ireland fans. Can you believe it? Well, well, I can't. Well, I can because I was walking around town uh, uh, this morning and. The amount of people that's just flown in, you know, probably travel 48 hours to be here just for this match and just because they care, you know, I'm so pleased that it's, uh, it's worth every penny for them. You know, it's, it's um, you know, I was going to say it's something you dream of, but watch, I used to get up early and watch the All Blacks play, you know, mm. I used to be a fan and, um, you know, I don't know if, as I said, after losing, 16-0 the last time I played a third test in New Zealand 10 years ago if you'd asked me were we going to win the series here 
in my career. You know, I don't know if I'd agree with you, um, but you know, standing here now, um, you know, makes me very proud of the uh, the group of people that I'm surrounded by and and I've toured with and I've trained with over the past 18 months, two years, and coaching staff, you know, people at home, you know, very proud. When you consider the way that opening test went, I mean, what 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 changed? What made you go and win a match last week and win another game this week? Do you know what? I, there wasn't a huge amount of change. We, like we, that first 20 minutes in that first test was probably one of the best we've ever put down. Um, and then we, we, we fell off a couple of tackles, made a couple of bad decisions. You know, when you're talking about the best team in the world, arguably, the All Blacks, you know, they've individuals who can change games and... and we knew for the second test that we we were we weren't far off, and obviously you go and, you go and win in first time ever. And there's lots of people who say, "Oh, that's them after blowing up now because that's the first one and the effort and emotion that that, that takes." But we've got away from the emotion side of it. We've got got ready to our process side of it and our performance side of it, and we said. You know, it's it's not about the emotion this week. It's about performing to the best of your ability. And and you know, there was a lot of guys out there probably played some of their best games for Ireland, and that's what it takes over here. Yeah, people are talking during the week about how much the All Blacks could improve and what they could bring bring in terms of last week, but people seem to forget that Ireland could improve as well. Yeah, look, that's the thing. Um, that that is that is it in a nutshell. You know, there was people saying all oh, the backlash and. Um, you know they're going to come out of the traps and you know uh, back at home. Yeah, we we talked about all that. You know we talked about you know oh, what if we lost at home in the Aviva? How would we feel and what would we do? And but we also said like you know what 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 didn't we do last week? How could we improve? And you know you were really calm. We were really calm at times, but we got a bit frantic. What if we we're calm all the time? And you know, you concede a few tries after half time there, and, and you look around the circle, and it's pure calmness. And you're going, "Geez, this is different animal stuff," you know. Um, so, look, we've come a long way. We've come a long way from uh, from certainly the 16ls, um, but um, I think the most pleasing thing is that we look back in the game and we look at areas that we let ourselves down in mm. certainly our first up tackling uh, some of our defence you know there's, there's plenty more in the Irish team which is great this means a lot doesn't it yeah of course it does yeah it has to mean a lot um, it doesn't get a huge amount bigger than this um, with regard to world rugby and uh, test matches so it means a lot so yeah that was Peter O'Mahony we just heard there guys and it's funny, Sean, I might go to you first because I think the enduring image a lot of us are going to have now is that shot of Peter O'Mahony basically in tears in, inside in that final minute when everyone knew the game was done and dusted and Ireland were down the other end of the pitch and there wasn't a chance New Zealand were going to come back. And he spoke after the match as well and he mentioned how one of his first caps for Ireland was that 60-0 game down in, uh, down in Hamilton. I know you were involved in it as well. And look, look I'm like... You know, it's just the way he was saying that after that match, the thought of, of beating New Zealand once in New Zealand, let alone winning a series, seemed so far from his mind 
that it probably wasn't even a dream he had. It is incredible when you look at the, the progress over those last 10 years to the point where not only have Ireland won a game in New Zealand, but actually done twice in a week. Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up, Neil. Players um, <laughs> are still uh, are still healing from that one. Um, yeah, scary to think ten years ago. Um, and like you said, I suppose the progress in terms of if you can contrast it purely between us and New Zealand, uh, obviously going close in twenty thirteen, then moving on to Chicago, and then the couple of wins at home. But this is just on a a whole different level, really. Going to the toughest rugby environment to win in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, look, you could see from, from, from Peter's reaction. I think even, I was kind of thinking maybe back to even the lines where, you know, he was captain for the first test and then didn't get in after that. And I'd say he probably had a few things, he, you know, a few rights he, he wanted to correct, a few wrongs, sorry, that he wanted to correct in terms of that. And just to be the performance as well he put in throughout the, the, the tour as well. And you could see by his re- reaction, so much emotion. And um, it's just, I suppose something that they look back on in, in years to come and um but they, like they've said afterwards it's, it's building towards something going on to next year and, and on into the world cup so um absolutely incredible but like, like uh, johnny and pete and all the kind of more senior guys have said that it's just a stepping stone to the building for the six nations and the novembers and the world cup so um absolutely thrilled for them and um you know to, to get over the line down there is something they'll look back on and with, with, with good memories yeah, it was fantastic. And we'll talk about like more about the, the team itself, James, in a few minutes. But just to, to continue on someone like Peter O'Mahony, who like he's 33 in September. He's someone who last year was knocking around the bench when you had the back row of Vanderfleer, Conan and uh, and Doris. And he was making great impacts off the bench. And I think a lot of people maybe actually thought that was going to be his role going forward in the team for the next couple of years where we'd have all that experience coming off the bench in the last 20 minutes of matches, but the form he's shown in the last six months, if you think about the, some of the just individual performances he he's had for Munster, you've got the game against Exeter and the game against Toulouse. I think the second test, and he was very good at the weekend just gone, but I think the second test was, was the performance of his life on this tour as well. If you take those three or four performances over the last six months, he's, he's arguably playing the best rugby of his career now, isn't he? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that because I think you look you look back and you say, um, was Pete going to be starting to be phased out? Was Tyg Byrne going to push into six, you know, and, and bring in one of the young guys into second row? But Pete has shut down his critics every week and, and, and you mentioned those games where he stood up and I think especially last week in that second a second test when, again, we speak about the images that, that Sean mentioned that, of him crying at the end of the game, but that second one when he's in Sam Kane's face and he's just bringing it in the cold face and that's what you need in these tests and that's what you need going forward. You need the hard, tried and tested and and Pete brings it and he leaves everything out there. You could see it. He's just, from where he's gone, no get mentioned again, like from been losing 60, 60 nil, you know, and that's, that can ruin players' confidence. That can ruin players' careers and we've seen it. Guys will go on and play one test and, and that'll be it and and they're broken after a tour, especially at the end of, the end of a Northern Hemisphere season when it's been so physical and draining and then to go down to New Zealand. Like, like we beat them up here. It's, it's in November. We're in the middle of the season. The, the Kiwis and Normie or the Southern Hemisphere teams are at the end of their season. We're fresher. It's all these things. But to go down there and to do that and, and for Pete to play as well as he did, like deserves the break that he's going to get now. And, but, but for someone, for a person, for, as a human being, I think he, 
that he epitomizes everything good about what Andy Farrell's brought in and uh, I'm delighted from on a personal level. Yeah, and he's always come across Sean as someone just, that just absolutely loves the big games in particular. If you look, if you look back at the games against New Zealand, like 2018 as well, that was one where he threw in an absolutely monstrous performance. He just seems to love, he loves, seems to love that backs against the wall type stuff. Yeah, and even performances from Munster as well to lose. Um, and like you said, the last six months he's really, you know, pushed on. He looks. He looks really, really fit, and he looks a good bit stronger at the moment as well, which is something I, I noticed in the games. Um, but uh, he's he he does he loves the back backs of the wall mentality, um, like like Jimmy said there about getting in Kane's face, and uh, but um, it's definitely someone that you know probably been under pressure as well the last twelve months with that trio from 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 Leinster playing so well and kind of solidifying their places. But he's managed to get in and hasn't looked back and. Um, uh, you know, like he's like he he referenced himself that game ten years ago now, sixteen nil. So um, look, it's 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 brilliant for him. Like Jimmy said, a lot of these guys will get a good rest, Pete included, and come back and try and attack next year as well with full of confidence after that tour. Have have either of you ever been lucky enough to be on the end of some of those verbals from him in uh, in training or in matches? I'm sure you have. Yeah, look, he's he, <laughs> he, he doesn't stay quiet, and and I don't know what it's like up in Leinster now, but in Munster, certainly, if there's a couple of fisty cuffs, you get in the huddle at the end of training, and then normally the lads have to have a little hug and a kiss just to kind of break the ice. So Pete was involved in a few of those exchanges, but that's what you want from a leader, you know, someone who does it on the field, but also brings it to the coal face, you know, and he, he's, he's one of these guys that he would follow into battle. Look, obviously with Munster, they've been so lucky in having leaders before, natural leaders. I think um, there's a bit of a freshness, as, as Nugget mentioned, he's, he's looked stronger and leaner and just a bit of want in him, you know, and I think he's, he's, he's not getting any younger. He's missed out on a few things with, with Munster. They haven't won anything. That's going to be there as well. And think it's it's a big 12 months it's a big 12 to 15 months new coaching staff in Munster but also World Cup around the corner too Six Nations uh, and he'll want to certainly uh, get something at the end of all this. And Sean then uh, in terms of the team performance at the weekend of the the five New Zealand wins we've had now over the last few years would this arguably be the most kind of rounded of the the wins if you think to the fact that maybe last week or in 2021 Ireland probably ran them off the pitch, but left so many chances behind in each of those first halves when they arguably could have actually won it by more and left a lot of chances out there. But if you look at the first half last week, they had probably four chances in the first half and they scored three absolutely clinical tries. And then, okay, New Zealand come back into it, but to have the resilience to actually just soak up that pressure and stop the bleeding and go down the pitch and score a try and then see things out the way they did in the last 10 minutes. In terms of just the collective eighty minutes of it all, it seems to have been the the most rounded of them. Yeah, for for sure. And I even speaking to people at the weekend after the game, and like I, I nearly go back and reference the second test where, you know, hand and heart, I think we could have won by more. Mm. Such was the, the 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 collective performance. So I, I'd even go to say that some of the, over one hundred and sixty minutes, some of the best rugby we've played in in a long, long time. And um, you know, you you. Like on the like in both games, you had guys playing eight, nine, ten, ten out of tens, and when you get that that from a squad, you're going to be putting in like really, really good performances. So, um, 
it's definitely some of the best, like the best rugby in terms of attacking and defense and transitioning or kicking game. Like we actually kicked more in the third test than they, uh, than they did compared to the first test. So um, all around complete package performance, I think. And um, that, I suppose that was, but it's so easy on the eye, the way we play the game at the moment. Um, you know, you could see a lot of backslaps from the New Zealand media, the pundits over there. They really, really enjoyed the way that we took on the game down there. And um, I suppose that's the most pleasing thing from a supporter where your team is winning and playing incredible rugby at the same time. Yeah, and oh, go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah. No, I was going to say, uh, just on the back of that, I think it's it's refreshing to see that when Andy Farrell came in and took over and uh, and Mike Cat doing the attack, that we saw a different brand initially and then we're like, okay, can we continue this brand on into Six Nations? And we did. You know, I think everyone's happy with the way we're playing. Then it's, okay, right, we're going into New Zealand. Can we play the way we've been playing or do we have to change the way we're playing? And it goes to show we can play smart, but we can also keep playing and we can stretch teams. I think we're going to, if we come up against the physical side, if we're looking at South Africa and England or France, we might adjust accordingly a little bit, but I still think that the template, the blueprint is there for us to play at that tempo, at pace, moving it wide and, and stretching side because we've shown that we have the players there to do it, to implement that game plan. And I think the coaches deserve massive credit for, for instilling that in the players. Yeah, and Jimmy, like one of the questions that would have come up after the games in November the with the New Zealand win and the, the hammerings against Japan and Argentina was, you know, is there is there another level for Ireland to get to in terms of performance and in terms of their game plan? Have we seen that now in the last eight, nine months? Have they actually found another two or three different areas that they're that they've kind of worked on and developed? I, I think we have. I think that we've just seen a confidence in, in how they want to play rather than as a Joe Schmidt specific targeting a certain area, targeting a certain play. Um, I think the players are very comfortable in what they're doing. Uh, I think credit's got to go, especially to the forwards as well, who are not just static taking the ball on. They're able to tip it on. They're moving their feet. They're changing the point of contact. They're just much more of an attacking threat. And I think everyone's bought into that. And it's second nature now, which is means we can add certain other things um, to what... The attack structure needs to be. Um, and look, conversely, then defensively, I thought, like, you go down there, you're going to be under pressure. And, and New Zealand had a lot of that possession. So it's it's going to be a huge defensive effort. And sometimes we're a little bit shaky, but I think overall we've gathered ourselves together. There were leaders there who stood up and controlled it. And we brought superb intensity and line speed to, uh, to that defense and put them under all sorts of pressure. Look, we did concede a, a couple of soft tries, yeah, admittedly, but at least they're. They're trying things, one in attack, but defensively they're putting their bodies on the line. Yeah, and I think no one more so in the, the last 10-15 minutes of that game, Sean, at the weekend than Tyg Byrne. I can't remember the last time I've seen someone in a in a game as close as that to come up with three turnovers in their own 22 in the final 10 minutes of a test match. I mean, that was just some of the most some of the most remarkable defense you're ever going to see. Yeah, I've been a victim of uh of of a couple of Tyg Byrne poaches before and um you know, I'll never forget one time I was carrying on a bit of a half break and I landed on the ground and literally the ball was gone like that. Tig over the ball, gone. Um, you know, definitely he's up there. He's up there, one of the best in the world at doing it. Um, and just to get those key, like those key ones towards the back end of that game where, yeah, we were under a bit, you know, a good bit of pressure. Um, and he just came up with vital, vital moments like that. And uh, But even his ball carrying throughout the test was exceptional. His running lines... He took a lovely little loop off Johnny one time to go straight through. Um, very, very intelligent player. Can read the game so well. 
um, and then backed it up with his work in the set piece where I was going to say when Jimmy was talking there about little tweaks, like the tweak in terms of the scrum from the first test to the, to the second and third test where we fixed things up and then, and then actually ended up being probably a bit more dominant in terms of the scrum work. So, um, you know, which Ty would have had a huge part to play in. So um, all round, he just had an incredible tour and um, another one who's come out with his reputation even more enhanced in terms of the world game. Yeah, 100%. And Sean, then, like, if you were, as we kind of said right at the top of the show, you mentioned you know, Peter Mahoney and Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton. We're all talking about what still has to come next year, Six Nations World Cup. What would be the the kind of two or three areas you'd be picking out of, of Ireland's performances over the last few weeks that they can kind of hone in on and just sharpen over the next year or so? I suppose it's more in terms of how you approach the game where... Um... Sometimes I think we probably overplay at times when we run out of numbers instead of maybe looking at a kicking option. You saw it in the first test where we kind of ran out of numbers. We forced a couple of passes, led to turnover, which they, New Zealand lethal off a turnover, ended up scoring. Another thing to pick up on what Jimmy said in terms of how we approach different teams, you know, can we play like that against the France or South Africa? Can we sustain that for 80 minutes? Or do we look to kick more? Do we look to attack them in the air more, push them back and make them play out? Um, I think it's more about how we approach different teams. It'll be an interesting um, way of looking at it in terms of how we go at teams, uh, especially power-based teams, um, because a lot of areas of our game are looking really, really good at the moment. Our attack, our defence, our line-out work, our D, the line-out D got so much better as the tour went on. So it's more about an all-round approach to how we play different teams and can we adapt to, to, to match them the best way possible. Just on that nugget, like, I guess people are going to talk. I think you saw we rely so much on Porter and Ty Furlong, and they're coming off in 70 minutes. And you know everything about what's going on in there. You look at the French, you look at the South Africans, they change enough after 55. They're out in their feet and they bring on these massive men. We don't necessarily have that, but do you think that the, that is there a trust there? Is there... Like, are you happy with, like, are we relying on Keane Healy to come on? He doesn't seem to get too many minutes. Are we relying on Finley to play? Like, are they just leaving Ty Gate there? Because in a World Cup, they, they can't play every single game and every single minute. And it's still an area, I think, that we just need a little bit more strength. I think Jeremy Lockman had a superb tour. Um, I think Tom O'Toole did extremely well as well. I think they did well, but they, will they get the minutes between now and a World Cup? Yeah, look, I think there is key positions where we are probably walking a bit of a tightrope at times um out half yeah. front row um but look we're running there's no there's no way of getting away from it that we're running out of time between now and the world cup so it's about trying to get as many minutes into these guys as possible to try and you know maybe next year uh in the six nations maybe looking to get the likes of tam o'toole finley beal him keen healy look keen's done it 118 times i think look i try and get the likes of Keane Healy or Tom O'Toole and Philly Beal in minutes against an Italy, a Scotland, other guys to get game time in order to be ready to play in a World Cup so that we can try and match these bigger teams around the 50, 60 minute mark. So um, it's definitely an area of concern, um, but something the coaches will definitely have to look at as we progress towards the World Cup next year. If you're trying to pick out like the, the areas improvement, like we're saying there, I think... I always think back to, to 2018 and Sean, like you could probably offer a hell of a lot more insight on that where it fell from the outside anyway in 2018 when Ireland beat New Zealand. It, it was difficult for 
I think people on the outside to figure out where do Ireland actually go from here? Because I think at the time, the general consensus was Ireland were the best team in the world after, after winning that game. But as we've kind of been talking about here, Ireland have beaten New Zealand in a test series, but there are a lot more questions around it. Like, can they live with the power of a France or a South Africa? It's very, very good that that's something they can kind of chase over the next 12 months rather than be the team everyone is looking at figuring out how to beat. Yeah, look, the thing the thing about rugby as well at the moment, and going back to your point about 2018, it's constantly evolving the game. And I think what we didn't do well at that stage leading into the World Cup in 2019 was trying to evolve our game. Now, look, Joe was a fantastic coach, but I think his view was that we'll just keep doing what we're doing, but do it better. And, um, you know, England came in 2019 and took us apart in the Aviva. Um and I just think we ran out of time in terms of, you know, Stuart Lancaster and Leinster is a massive guy in terms of coaching that I'd look up to in ter- because he's always looking at how teams are evolving. What are they doing differently? Can we do this? Can we do that? So um, I think that that's something that this team will, won't leave happen to them. They'll see how the, the game's evolving, how referees are, are refing a game. Um, you know, like you saw throughout the, 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 the test, the New Zealand and Ireland, how the breakdown, like New Zealand did not react to the referee's interpretation around the breakdown. These are all the little things that can, you know, make or break a team going forward into a World Cup. So these are all the key areas where Ireland will look to get better. Yeah, and the breakdown that was like that was the massive one. You could see it. It was the the penalty Johnny Sexton kicks just in between the second and third tries for Ireland, where it was Bowden Barrett clearing out beyond the ball, and like that was a penalty New Zealand had just consistently been conceding across those entire three tests. Is that an area then, Jimmy, that Ireland are actually really, really sharp on? The back row seem to generally be getting on the right side of referees. Yeah, and I think that's down to the analysis that they're putting in off-field because the referees have such an impact. Every referee perhaps it so differently and has their own interpretation. And uh, I think the team analysis that goes into how referees, one, how you speak to them, what they're hot on, what they're not hot on, what you can get away with, it's about pushing your boundaries and you've got to adapt pretty quickly to the way the referee is going and, and refereeing the game. You know, if he's going to be hot there, if you get caught once, that's it. You don't get caught again. And if you're going past and he's going to ping you, you adapt quick enough. Or if the players aren't adapting on the field, someone gets that message on, right, he's been hot in this. He's not normally less reacting. This Let's change the way we're going after the breakdown. Look, New Zealand just didn't do it. I think it's it's a case in point when you see New Zealand's captain being hauled off in a test with, with plenty of minutes left in a game, which just shows that they've been completely outplayed, completely outmuscled at the breakdown and uh, and a massive area for Ireland to, to have a tick at the end of that. And it's, it's about that consistency now going forward and, and bringing it in. Were we lucky with um, Northern Hemisphere referees? Maybe, and we're used to them, maybe, but... Again, November series, I'm sure there'll be some sudden hemispheres and we've got to adapt to those again accordingly as well and, and see how we cope with that. Does it does it say a lot about the the Irish achievement then, lads? Um, that like the reaction in New Zealand to it. Like they're on the verge of having a complete like a complete investigation into how this actually happened. And it's not really in an insulting way to Ireland because generally the commentary has been that. Ireland were by far the better team across the three tests and like it's a massive compliment to Ireland with the the reaction to what is what has happened down there yeah look I think they set their standards so so high and looking Ian Foster's coming under a lot of pressure at the moment it would be the first time 
in the history of New Zealand rugby where the, the coach could potentially be sacked. And just going back to, to Jimmy's point as well, is that the coaching is what stood, stood out for me, just what my coaches had, looking at the way the two teams, like New Zealand did not adapt to the referees as the, as the, the test moved on one, two and three. Um, even some of their attacking, it's just little things that I saw where Ireland were just so much better in terms of their detail. Um, so it, it's... It's, I think the pressure he's coming under is warranted um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, especially 15 months out from the World Cup, that it's just the level of coaching, the detail was just the main difference for me between the, the, the two sides. Were you surprised, Jimmy, just kind of how how basic a lot of some of the stuff New Zealand were doing was? Yeah, yeah, it actually really was, you know. In, in saying that the pressure that Foss was under, fine, I think you look at how much the New Zealand team changed in the first to the third test. I thought they had their strongest 23 in the final test as well. And uh, I had said, geez, that, you know, at the start, the coaches were out, it was COVID, there were certain things. So I thought this is a great chance to beat them in the first test and, and, and get it going. But look, ultimately they, they produced. Um, they're just under so much pressure. Look, it's in front page, it's back page over there. It's, it's everywhere, it's 24 seven. They live, they breathe it. And, um, there's huge areas of concern for them, one, and how they played, the way they played, because Ireland outplayed them. You know, it's not as if we tucked it under, a jumper is played simple and won by three points and kicked penalties and beat them that way. It was a good brand of rugby, and New Zealand made errors that you wouldn't normally expect with, it, with a Kiwi side. So players are going to have to have a look at themselves as well, but ultimately it's the book's going to stop with, a, with the coaching staff. And, and, and it's a tough one. You know, 18 months out from a World Cup, it's... It's a big call to make to have an overhaul. And and people are talking, I've read as well about Joe Schmidt. Obviously, he's down there. Um, does he step in now? But Joe Schmidt didn't really kind of, couldn't fix any any wrongs that were going on, it seems to me, you know. So uh, it, it'll be a pretty drastic reaction. As Nugget said, it's the first time that someone will ever be sacked as an, an All Blacks coach. So um, look, the way they play, they're going to have to change it. I'm sure come World Cup, it'll you'd expect it to be a different New Zealand side, uh, as you always would. Have, have South Africa set the, the seed of that kind of from the previous World Cup where they changed things up midway through the cycle, bringing Razi Erasmus? Are, are more countries, you think, in the future going to be inclined to kind of see that and go, uh, do you know what? A lot of things can change in the short term. Yeah, maybe. I think it's going the football model, isn't it? We can get a reaction for a certain amount of games. How far out you want to do it? I don't know. Um... But yeah, look, the way South Africa play, I think the way Razi Rasmus went about it, I think he didn't change too much. He kind of, it was a game plan that was pretty simple. Um, they were extremely effective, obviously, but it was a pretty simple game plan that you could implement in that short period of time. I think, could a Joe Schmidt go in and do something? Yeah, he could simplify the game plan all right, but then would they be easier to beat? I don't know. Um I guess time will tell if they do make that reaction. But yeah, no, there's certainly merit there in changing. But personally, this far out, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see that. The last few points, if you look at the the tour as a whole, I've seen a couple of people mention about how it probably couldn't have gone any better from short and long-term point of view. If you think about how, first of all, you win the series, which is the, the first... The first uh, box ticked, but also just the wider things where they've had to be challenged enormously. If you look at the first couple of weeks and the injuries and the COVID cases they had where players were being chopped around and really, really tested in games at short notice. 
they've been dragged around the place. They've, you know, had to play a lot of rugby. Someone like, I think, was it uh, Kieran Treadwell, for example, actually played in every single one of the five games across the tour. And they lost a couple of games along the way. They learned kind of things they needed to improve about themselves. It, it just has been the whole package for them. It's been everything they wanted out of it. Yeah, look, I think that's what he said. I, You know, a lot of times I listened to Andy Farrell speak, it was about putting the, the lads under immense pressure. And, um, you know, that's an incredible stat about Kieran Treadwell being involved in every game. Um, and I think especially for those guys playing those Maori game, the Maori game first up, probably very little time together, travelling. Um, but then you could see the extra 12, 11 days they had between that the first game and second game with the Maoris. They were so much better, a lot more organised. Um, but it's been a huge success in terms of, I'd say, what Andy Farr wanted to find out about a lot of these guys, um, how they react to being in a midweek game and then having to double up for a test match, um, the pressure of playing down New Zealand, the being in contention to win a series towards the, the end of it. So, um, you know, it's been a huge success. You know, you always run a risk of putting a five-game tour like that on where if things don't go well, it, they don't go well at all. So um, I'd say he's a very, very happy man, found out a lot about the guys. And, um, you know, coming coming back now as, as series winners, full of confidence and leading into this, the season next year. And also then, like... It- just the length of the tour as well because obviously you lose two matches at the start and I certainly heard a lot of players early on say the mood of a tour can change dramatically based on how those first couple of games go and you know I can imagine imagine there was a lot of soul searching after those first couple of games I can imagine the atmosphere mightn't always be good how impressive was it that they managed to, to pick things up when you're away for that length of time and you know I'm sure people will be feeling homesick, things like that. It's very impressive that they managed to turn it all around to the point where they ended up going on and win the last three games. Massively so, absolutely. I think it's that's a, that's a crucial point. I think, like, as I say before, like you, you look at when teams come up to play us in November, at the end of their season, they're fatigued, they're tired, and it's an easy way. This time we've gone down there, fatigued, end of a season, long season for players, uh, and you lose the first two. And, you're completely right. Things can change. You can look inward. Like Nugget mentioned, things can go from bad to worse pretty quickly. Like, can it be a 5-0? Can it be a bit of a trash and we'll lose every game? And then, Jesus, whose reputation goes through, go, goes under and players won't get capped again on the back of it. But no, they regathered, they focused, they drew a line. Like, uh, Nugget made some good points there about um, they had more time together. They trained a bit more often, especially the, the midweek team. I think Joey Carberry was the other player who played in all five, or was involved yeah. in all five games, um, but but to do that and to bounce back and to probably not get the rest that they got, but I think it's the mindset that Andy Farrell has instilled it in this group, and I think it goes back to last November when um, Andy Farrell looks at it and goes, "This is wants to be a quarterfinal, semi-final, final, and the three games, and to take it like that because obviously this is where Ireland fall down, uh, and then to go down and to rotate some players and change players." And to come away with the result, it's it's going to be huge. Like it's a great momentum going into the next eighteen months. It's a massive eighteen months, and I think they've shown that if things, if their backs are against the wall, if things aren't going well, if like they're losing players through injury, other players are there, but also they can recover quickly, and 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 the head doesn't drop, and they have players to drag them through because they can say, well, we've been in this situation, we've been to New Zealand, we've been away from our comfort zone and everything against us, and and that's what's going to take in a World Cup. Uh, to produce 
same one to to you, Sean. How impressive was it that they managed to just like turn that momentum around after the losing start? Look, it was, and what what impressed me about every game, we started really, really well. And you can see even in the last test where they were going to come out, they were pumped up, um, had lost the previous test. But we started well, again, early try. Um, I just think, it, look, it's, it's, it's a huge momentum, momentum builder. Um, like I said, and Andy had set out to, to, to test these guys, see how they react on tour, being along. Even though I know you said, Neil, about guys being homesick. I'd say the lads with, with kids at home, I'm not stand for another couple of weeks. Uh, if I put myself in their mind frame. Um, but uh, no, look, it's going to be, it's going to be massive for this squad of players going on into the next 15, 16 months building into a World Cup that they've went down there, being put up, like I said, put under the, the biggest pressure you can play under is playing down there. And yeah, losing those first couple of games, things can go from bad to a lot, lot worse. So um, it's just so impressive that they bounced back and won that second game. And then and then leading into that third test, so they just saw what they saw the momentum, uh, the, the, the magnitude of what was on the line to go on and win a series in New Zealand. And um you know, sky's the limit for these, for this group of players going forward. Final question then to to both of you: Who would be the the maybe couple of players from from the wider squad, and from like those Maori games who probably have really done their their chances of being involved in this team over the next twelve months? No harm whatsoever with what they've done over the the last few weeks. Not you know, not really the the, the frontliners, but those guys who've been on the fringe of the squad and want to be making a breakthrough over the next twelve months. Who's who stood up? Um, for me, it'd be, I guess, Treadwell, I think, you know, from someone who doesn't start for Ulster necessarily and, and to come in and people were kind of questioning should a Ross Maloney come in there who played extremely well for Leinster this year and, and was unlucky. But I think his stock has certainly gone very, very high. Been involved in all five games, but also making that impact and throwing himself around and, and being a line-out option and calling line-outs for the Mary games. It's not something he'd normally do. For me, he'd be the kind of standout player where it was like, oh, you hadn't thought too much about him. Uh, obviously, you've been in the Six Nations squad and stuff, but, you know, played Italy, but then you're kind of, is someone else going to be there? But he's certainly cemented his place in the wider squad, certainly, if not brought himself into consideration since we've lost a, an Alton Delan, a Quinn Rue, and a Jean Klein falling out of form a little bit. And that's, that's the position, I think, that Treadwell stepped up and really put his hand up and t- taken it with both hands. Any other contenders, Sean? Uh, I'd have two. Well, uh, yeah, two. I'd have Gavin Coombs, mm. who I thought was really, really good. Look, he had a, a bad injury um, towards the back end of the season. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player. Um, and uh, Kieran Frawley would be the other one for me. I think that he has he's all the attributes to try and push on. Now, look, Joey, Joey did, Joey did fine throughout the tour. Um, and look, I think that those two will have a good duel in the next in the next 15, 16 months where, you know, I suppose the thing about Kieran Frawley being in Leinster is will he get the game time at 10? But I think that he see he reads the game really well. He takes the ball to the line. Um, he's a good kicking game. I think that he could be a key man to step forward and try and to, to be the backup for Johnny. Um, it all depends on whether he gets the game time at 10 in Leinster because obviously, look, guys have to be playing these key positions. So, you know, Gav Coombs and Kieran Frawley, I thought, especially in those midweek games, uh, stood out for me. So so you would, would you think, like you've played with Kieran, obviously, the, down to the last few years, would you think 10 is his 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 best position going forward? 
I, I, to be honest, I don't know Neil because I haven't seen enough of him play there in big, big, in big, big games. But from what I saw on the tour and from what I training with him and 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 against him, he takes the ball superbly to the line, brings defenders in, puts guys through holes, um, and he's a good communicator. Can see the game really well. Maybe you know two, three phases ahead of ahead of where the game is at. Um, good kicking game. But again, it's all about getting game time in you know, big, big, uh, big enough games in the URC or, or, the, or the Champions Cup to try and see if he can progress on to the next level, which would be, you know, to back Johnny up. And, and uh, you know, if something, like we said, walking that tightrope in certain positions, the guys have to get injured, can he just fill in seamlessly then? All right. Well, listen, that's uh, that's where we'll wrap it up. Thanks a million for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of the summer, fellas. Sean, enjoy retirement as well. I should have said it at the, at the top of the show. I presume these are the... It's pretty much this week and next week is where you're really going to start feeling that now when you're not uh, you're not having that preseason dread, I imagine, yeah. Uh yeah, I'd say so. I, 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 all the lads were on holidays the last four or five weeks, so it hasn't been. But uh, yeah, when they go back training and back into games, but um, uh, look, no, look, I think I had a good innings. I hung around long enough, so um, uh, doing a bit of coaching up in Dublin now, St Mary's. So yeah. at least I'll be, I'll be involved in the game that way. And uh, you'll be dishing, you'll be dishing out the preseason pain. Yes, exactly. And uh, Michael back playing a bit of junior football in Limerick like Ian Keatley and Tommy O'Donnell. We never know. <laughs> but uh, no, shout out to the Limerick Hurlers as well, Neil, yeah. uh, at the weekend. Um, yeah, still recovering from the weekend. So Great stuff. And Jimmy, thanks a million for joining us as well, lads. Have a great summer. And thanks to everyone who's been on the podcast this year. Thanks for everyone for listening as well. We'll be taking a break for uh, a good few weeks. We'll be back sometime, I imagine, just before the new URC season. But from everyone here at the RTE Rugby Podcast, thanks for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.